0: This is a baby brunch podcast.
1: And so we've got these two processes that are completely opposite the one where our children are growing and moving further away from us, and the other one where our parents are sort of um, regressing in a way and becoming more dependent on us. And that's really, really difficult to manage
0: and difficult to juggle. This podcast is supported by EpiMax Baby and Junior. The range of EpiMax Baby and Junior Gentle All-Purpose Emollient Moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to everyday by nourishing and protecting their skin with EpiMax. We all want the best for our parents and we all want to be there for our children. But there's often conflicting advice on how to raise our children confidently and how to raise kind children and successful children. At the same time, we often have to look at our parents as they grow older as well. They're no longer as independent as they might've been when they were raising us. Recently in the juggle of raising my children, my toddlers and my teenagers, I started to realize that more and more of my peers are in the same boat as me raising kids and taking care of their elderly parents In my case, I recently helped my parents move to a retirement village and I'm juggling between grade one and even matric exams for our children. Throughout the chaos of parenting, I must say, sometimes I couldn't focus on balancing priorities. In the midst of trying to balance everything, one might forget to appreciate the process. And to be present in the moments because I just want to get it right. And I want to move on to the next task and get it done. On the other hand, I'm a mompreneur. I'm a wife for my husband. I'm a businesswoman and a media personality. And when there's so many roles that need attention on a daily basis, we have to find people we trust that can help us through the process. The thing is, we, I might overlook small, important details when raising my kids, and also taking care of my elderly parents, helping us understand and to navigate some important details around this. I'm joined by Dr. Jenny Rose. She's a clinical psychologist, and she has been for 14 years, and she's a parent-child expert, and she's also a mom. Sometimes it's just too much. It's just too much. I talk about kindness all the time, you know, be kind, be kind. And, um, and I'm really glad that you are here, doctor. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Ilana. If if you could give us tips, let's say in the ideal world, there's 10 successful tips in raising children. What would they be? Give us a hundred. Give me a (laughs) hundred tips of raising successful children
1: that's the key isn't it if only you know there was that textbook that infamous textbook we all wish could exist you know i think if i were to give you 10 tips um we would probably be here all day i think there's so much that we can add and contribute to the parenting journey but unfortunately there are no quick fixes there's no easy solution there's no do this one two three and your life will change so as much as I'd love to offer you 10 tips, there aren't 10 sort of easy go-tos, but there's one thing that I would say that I think I wish all parents could hold onto. And that is, you know, we are so inundated with this overload of information in today's world. There's so many avenues of support and pages and all sorts of research and evidence to tell us what we should be doing. And I think it's obviously all wonderful things that we have, this access to all this knowledge. But I think the sort of spin off of that is that we are often, we lose sight of our own ability to be what we need to be. And so the one tip I always say to parents is trust that actually intuitively, you know, so much more than you probably give yourself credit for. And when you question your response to different scenarios or what you should be doing or how you could do things better, Instead of always turning to the outside world for the answers, turn inwards because more often than not, your own gut, your own instinct, your own intuition is probably so much stronger than you give yourself credit for.
0: Earlier, I shared my own story because there's this struggle of raising raising toddlers and I somehow exaggerated a bit saying, you know, that I'm raising my parents. The truth is, I, I feel very blessed. I feel very lucky to still have my parents in my life. And, and my dad's my best friend. Mom and I, we are tight, but my dad is my best friend. And my husband knows that. And they have a very healthy, very cool relationship. How how do we deal with the fact that our parents are aging? You know, that they're getting older. I live in, in Joburg and my parents live in Cape Town and we have a house in Cape Town. And when I go home, it feels like, like they have regressed even more. And I see them literally every two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've even reached a, and I'm, I'm sharing this because I don't want you to feel alone. For those of you who are listening to our podcast and watching to the video, I'm listening, literally looking into my camera going, I have, I have met so many of you that are sharing a similar story where your parents are getting older and you are also raising children. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I'm really lucky because I get to see them often, but some of my siblings don't live in the country. So they don't see the regression. They see mom then and then they see mom around Christmas and she's different. Yeah. How, how do we cope or deal with aging parents? So I think that's such a tough one because
1: I think um, when we are parents ourselves, there are these two sort of parallel processes that are occurring and they are almost quite um, opposite in in many ways. So I think when we raise children, we see the we kind of reap the rewards. The more we put in and invest, we see them flourishing, developing. We see that they sometimes need us less and less. They, you know, they become less dependent on us as the years go by. We're kind of watching this process where they are developing and flourishing. And then we have aging parents where it feels like this process is then back to front, that we see these very independent capable people, and just as you described your dad, who sounds wonderful, we often have this very sort of, not idealized perception of our parents, but, you know, our parents we hold in high regard, and then we have to almost reconcile this idea of holding them in such high regard, and this kind of almost unraveling of the process that is backwards, that they become more dependent on us less able to do the things they could. And so we've got these two processes that are completely opposite. The one where our children are growing and moving further away from us. And the other one where our parents are sort of um, regressing in a way and becoming more dependent on us. And that's really, really difficult to manage and difficult to juggle.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of losing my parents. Like re- I cannot live without them. Do we reassess that and, and say that nothing is forever? I tell you what's even scarier, the more my parents are aging and I realize that they won't be around forever, I realize that I better enjoy being a parent and I do, right? But I'm also not going to be around forever for my little girls. And that's really hard.
1: Well, you just, I think, hit the nail on the head. Um, I think that's exactly the big thing that we're grappling with is, you know, our parents becoming more dependent on us means that there's something else in that trajectory, that that's where they're headed. And that's a very, very hard thing for a lot of us to accept and to think about a life where our parents don't exist. And I heard something so powerful the other day. um, And it was something around, you know, you only get one mom and one dad. And of course, we have, um you know, families that look very different. And there are a lot of families that have two moms. And sometimes the granny is the mom. And, I, you know, I'm not um disrespecting that in any way. But we We get given lots of other relationships in our lives, but we really only have one one parent of of one kind and so the loss of a parent is such a profound experience because there isn't any other relationship quite like that and And so I think grappling with this idea of coming to terms with our parents that are getting older it's exactly what you say it's kind of facing this reality, and I think you know we often talk about um Guilt is the the mental of motherhood. It's the thing we wear. It's the it's the thing every mom experiences. We feel like we are never doing enough. We feel like we're failing when we're not. We, you know, the pressure to try and be. And I think it comes even more sort of becomes exacerbated when we then are almost having to parent our parents. And so, like you saying, you again grappling with these two things: the the guilt of I should be appreciating this. I should be so thankful that they are maybe living with me or that they are hounding me, phoning me five times a day to help, help them with something. You know, we, we, we hold this kind of double edged sword where we are thankful that we get to spend this time with them. And, um, but we become frustrated as well. And I think again, it just comes down to giving ourselves some grace that we mm. can't do it all. We simply cannot do it all. We shouldn't be expecting ourselves to do it all. We shouldn't be having picture-perfect relationships. You and I were chatting earlier about how actually there is beauty in the mistakes and that there's reparation in the mistakes. And I think what, what better way to be able to um, engage so congruently and authentically in a relationship to say, I messed up. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry I'm getting frustrated. I'm committed. I love you. I'm here. I'm so thankful that I get to spend this time with you but I also make mistakes. And I think when we can move away from this idea of perfection and rather move to a place where we actually open ourselves up to make the mistakes, to trip up, to fall over the obstacles, because there's so much beauty that can come in the reparation.
0: There's so much clutter and technology, you know, and trends and forecasts and, um, this is what is to come and conflicts and teachers and homework and the list is long. I mean, how, how do we prioritize? If you have your parents, which is not my case, but some of you have reached out with this question. If you, if you have your, your parents or an elderly person staying with you and you are raising little ones who comes first? Yeah,
1: such a tricky one. And I think, So much of this conversation really comes down to boundaries, having a conversation around the boundaries within your own home. Because I think where people kind of trip up and where it starts to feel overwhelming is where there's uncertainty. And we know that for the most part, for ourselves as parents, for our children, and possibly even for our own parents, that the more we can predict and know what to expect in any given situation, The easier that experience will be, the less anxiety provoking it will be. And so I think why this is often a tough one for people is because there are these big question marks around us and we don't really know what it's, what is day to day life going to look like? Who's going to be sort of doing what needs to happen in the home? Will they be trying to discipline? What, what is that going to look like? And I think, you know, when you can have a conversation about boundaries, I think it allows you to then know and predict what things are going to look like. And so when those boundaries are in place, there's also two things that can happen. The one is that we have to deal with these moments in the moment. We cope in the moment. We manage, you know, the conflict resolution in the moment. But it's also just like parenting. It's outside those moments that the true conversations need to happen. It's in the the regulated calm states that we need to be having the hard conversations about what does your role look like? You know, one of the biggest things when we have our own parents living with us is that there's often this blurring of boundaries because typically granny or grandpa or however they might fondly be known are the spoilers. You know, they're the ones that can let loose on the boundaries and the discipline and they can be a little bit more sort of, um, you know, lax on, on certain things. And that's all good and well. That's what grandparents should be. You know, they get to say, you can watch extra TV, you can have that sweet, you can stay up late. That's part of what often grandparents' roles are. But when they're living with you, you can't apply that same philosophy day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And so it actually means a rethinking of the roles. And I think that's, that's where it gets tough. And I don't think many people do that. I think if you are going to have grandparents living in you, in your nuclear family, it needs to then have a, there needs to be a conversation about how do we redefine the roles within our families? Because that has to change. It cannot remain the same. And I think that's the mistake a lot of people make is they, they keep the same roles, but they've got a completely different setup and home environment and they're trying to make it work in the same way. And then they often feel extremely frustrated. That's when a mom is becoming so angry because suddenly her kids are staying up late every night because granny said they could. And the kids are going to granny when they want something to eat and they're not coming to them. And so that's where the the frustration comes
0: in. Speaking of which we we had a question. Uh, It says, um, my mom tells me what to do and how to raise my children.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is it. This is (laughs) what we're talking about. Big conversation that needs to happen around boundaries. You know, you need to be saying who is parenting because you know, I often say to parents, think about the the power hierarchy in your home. What does it look like? Where do you and your partner position themselves? Where are your children? I see many families where the children are definitely kind of um, the rulers of the roost and they're right. at the top of that power hierarchy. And I think when you add another generation in there, that power hierarchy is just completely upside down and distorted. And again, it comes down to having a conversation that as a parenting unit, that core needs to be the stability, the anchor, the kind of like steadfastness of the family and everything else happens around us. But, you know, it's super tough and I think we can all relate to it, that it makes
0: it extremely complicated. Speaking of things getting complicated, how how do we... I mean, earlier we talked about the amount of time one would need if you had to come and consult. It's not an overnight thing when you when you ask questions like, you know what, I'm stuck in raising my toddlers or I'm stuck in raising my teenagers, and one would sit and consult with a professional such as yourself uh, and work through through different scenarios and things that are 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 unique. But we had a question around setting goals for your children. Where does one start? And and I wanna add to this question quickly. I did a conference the other day where we talked about family values. And we all are quick to say, oh yeah, what our family values are, are wonderful. And we live by them. But in the room, no one could tell their family values when they were asked, what are your family values? No one knew what they were, you know? So, so it became quite a powerful thing in, in our home where even with my mother-in-law and, and the grandparents, I sat down and I said, you know what? It's time we define our values. It's time that." Um, mm-hmm. we, we, we name them so that if our children are not living within their their value system, they'll know where they are not being, um, obedient, they, where they, yeah. where they are betraying self, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this one of setting goals, where does one start? If you want to set goals for your child, for your baby, you know, mm-hmm. where, how does one start doing that?
1: I mean, I absolutely love that introduction. I think it is such a profound experience that you've just created for your family, and um, it's just something I think if more families could do, what a powerful experience! And I often say to parents that I meet, I have two first questions, and I and I'll say, especially um, when you know it's a, it's a partnership that comes to see me and there's two people, I'll say, what two characteristics or two traits are you wanting? to instill in your children? What do you want them to grow up and be? So, you know, if everyone listening can think about what that might be. The first thing that's always so interesting is how sometimes it's very different for the two partners. And so those are very different ways you will be parenting to create two different outcomes and thinking about, you know, what does that look like for our family? And the second thing I say is, right, how often are you modeling that very behavior you're wanting your child to do? And so if, if, for example, your answer had been, let's say kindness, that was the thing. If that's the most important thing for you and how you raise your kids, you want to have, you want your kids to be adults that are kind. How kind are you? How kind are you in your interactions with your children? How often do you give them the benefit of the doubt? Are you gentle in your approach? Do you offer to help where you can? Um, are you empathetic? So I think it's such a profound experience, exactly that. And I think starting with these, broader goals, these sort of familial goals, are amazing things. And we often think as parents that this is one-sided conversation, this comes from us, and we tell our kids there is nothing sort of nicer than sitting around a table with your children and getting their input and their buy-in on these things and saying, what do you value? What do you think is important for our family? And it's so wonderful to develop these family guidelines, family rules together as a whole. Now, obviously, that can only happen when you have older kids, but I think we very easily as parents get lost in, in these kind of goals being behaviorally based. We say we want our kids to keep their room clean and we want them to get back and ready for school without us having to ask five times. You know, it's also about shifting to say like, what really is the goal that we are wanting? Mm. What are we talking about when we want to um, develop goals? We want them to be good siblings. We want our, you know, the siblings to be Kind to each other or to be to have a friendship based within their sibling relationship, we want our kids to be respectful to themselves uh, you know we as a family um choose a word each year and we try and live by that philosophy each year and it's also something we do with our kids around the table and we have conversations about it and this year was the word that we chose was respect and The word respect came about because it was about a sort of holistic idea of respect. Yes, respect in I have to think about authority and others and how, you know, how to engage that. But that that was really the minimal part of it. The more important part was around things like respecting my body. What Mm -hmm. does that look like? When I respect my body, I make healthy choices and I Mm -hmm. choose to nourish it in a good way. I choose to go out and play and exercise because I'm respecting my body. When I respect my relationships, this is what it looks like. When I respect my brain, I read books. And so we use this word of respect as this kind of thing that we came back to all through the year. And it was so helpful for kids because sometimes they struggle to tap into these more sort of deep, um, you know, quite complicated ideas. And when we make it accessible and fun for them,
0: they grab onto it and run. Sure. This is beautiful. It really, really is. Do we set goals for our parents too? If they're living with us, do we set goals for our children and set those same or different goals for our parents?
1: So I think this is where it becomes so complicated and probably part of why we're having this conversation is we are assuming that the way we engage with our children and the way we engage with our parents is the same when they're relying on us, that we are actually parenting them. We are not parenting them. It is not our responsibility to determine their behavior. It is not our responsibility to, you know, make sure they stay in check and are doing the things they should be doing. It's not like what we do with kids where we still have accountability and responsibility over them when they're little. We can try to support them. We can try um shape certain experiences. We can try enhance their their life experience and their quality of life but it's not our responsibility and i think that's the big big difference i think when it comes to your home it's not so much about goals but rather about boundaries saying these are the rules of my home if you're living under my roof this is this is how it's going to be and that might be you know we show respect to others or it might be you know you, these are the decisions we make the family rules or philosophies but i think the key aspect is we don't have to be responsible for their behavior because we are not their parents. We
0: are not their parents. Yeah. Yeah. A question came through. It says, how can I be firm and loving? My mother does not listen. <laughs> my, my mother, my mother forgets. She's really cute. So she forgets and we, we started, we started uh, affectionately calling her forgetful. So I'll be like, Oh, mama forgetful. <laughs> I said earlier that we don't eat lunch yeah, know. and then she giggles and she says, Oh, okay. Sorry. I forgot. I forgot. So we, we, we try and normalize the forgetfulness in our home a little bit because the, the kids think it's really funny because if Omar says, yeah, I remember, they know she doesn't. So <laughs>
1: uh, You know, what I love about that is that you've actually done something so profound there without even realizing it. And that is, making it playful. So often we ha- we think we have to have these very serious conversations and that, you know, it needs to be something hard and actually it doesn't have to be, we can incorporate so much kindness and fondness and playfulness mm-hmm. into these hard conversations. And I think in many ways, although having kids and parents together is different in so many ways, like we've said, yeah. it's not the responsibility. I think there's many ways where they're also very similar. And so my approach to that situation would be a very similar approach to how I would manage or navigate that with children in that what I would ensure that I do is validate the experience. I come with compassion and kindness and empathy, but I put the boundaries in place. And that is the same approach that I would take if I was speaking to my own mother and I was trying to instill some boundaries there that we can do so in a way that, you know, doesn't compromise ourselves because I think that's what often happens when we think we don't, have a voice with our parents. We think it might be disrespectful that we actually compromise our own um, sort of preferences or our own desires or what we need in our home. And we think the answer is to self-sacrifice. And it's really not. You know, we often think it's either going to be a confronting scenario or we just avoid and pretend nothing's there at all. There's a third option, which is a healthy, um, sort of very uh, mature way of Confronting complexities and relationships and that is done through this lens of compassion and
0: empathy and kindness. One day I walk out of a out of a shop with my little girls and an old lady turns around and she says to me, Be nice to your children. I said, Yeah. (laughs) She says, Because one day you're gonna grow old. And She's implying that they're going to have to be taking care of me. Look after you. Look after after your parents if you have them and look after your children because one day you'll grow old. Dr. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. Follow Dr. Jenny right now and also some of our other podcasts and videos, babybrunch.co.za. This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.